0: When the Lagos moved from Canada to here, it was a very big deal. I mean, moving is a big deal, period. But when you're going from one country to another, that's an even bigger deal. And How many of you remember the the Sunday that they moved in, that they arrived, and um, they were going to stay with Cindy Obie until they found a house, and we were all over there waiting for them, and you know, here comes the big moving truck. Elaine's driving, <laughs> and that was that was a fun time. At least, well, it was a fun time, you know. But one of the biggest concerns the Lagos had uh, it involved their kids, Michaela and Rebecca they were very concerned about the school system. Now, they understood about school systems in Canada, but they didn't know really anything about here. So Kathy and I uh, spent time talking with them about the school system. They did a lot of research. And I told them, you know, you absolutely do not want them attending school in the Dayton school system. Now, those of you listening to this, you know, if that bothers you that I said that, I'm sorry. But it's a fact. The Dayton school system is one of the worst school systems in the state of Ohio. Um, in fact, the last report I read, it was, it was not the worst, but it was like second worst. <laughs> you don't want your kids going there. And you know, we can discuss for hours, you know, well, how did it ever get like that? Well, regardless. It's like that. However, in many of the suburbs surrounding the Dayton city limits, yes, really good school systems, very good school systems. So anyway, after their research, they decided to uh, move into Kettering, and the girls attended the Kettering school system. Well, that's where um, you know Kathy and I grew up in Kettering, and we attended that school system. And it turns out that it worked out very well for Michaela and Rebecca. You know, they not only got a really good education, but they had a high school experience unlike what happens in Canada. I'm not um, criticizing education in Canada. Don't misunderstand me. It's just different. Well, for example, um, high school football down here is an event. A major event. Well, it's not like that in Canada. You know, some of the schools, when they have their their high school football games, uh, the coaches arrange for the the teams to meet at a park, and then the parents bring their folding chairs and set up and, you know, watch the game. That's not the way it is here. You and I both know. And then the whole thing of marching bands. Oh, good glory. You know, they don't really have marching bands like that up in Canada. And then the other sports and so forth. I remember uh, when your Michaela played lacrosse, wasn't it? Yeah. And Kathy and I went and watched some of the games. Let's just say, yeah, it was the first year that Fairmont High School had a girls lacrosse team, and you can kind of take it from there. <laughs> but it was—it was really, honestly, it was neat to watch. Those girls trying. And you could tell the other schools that were good. They were trying too, but after a while it became obvious. But anyway, Michaela got her varsity letter for playing lacrosse. Glory to God. Yes. What I'm getting at is this. When it comes to education in the world, essentially, you have a process. And nowadays, that process is kind of like this. You have daycare. You have preschool. You have elementary school. You have junior high, or some people call it middle school. You have high school. Then you have college. Now, another interesting aspect, a difference between Canada and the United States, is here in the States, when we say college, that carries um, a lot of weight. But in Canada, sometimes some people think the word college means it's not a very good school. But here, we we know, like for example, if you go to Boston College, okay, that's a good school. Well, nevertheless, you have um, college or universities, and then, when you attend a college or a university, there are levels of achievement in that system. You can get an associate's degree, you can get a, ma- a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, or you can get a doctorate. And at each level, going from, from daycare all the way up to doctorate, at each level... You have to have qualified teachers. Now, in these systems, the person who is teaching the daycare, they probably understand they really aren't ready to step into a postgraduate university class and teach PhD students. You understand what I'm saying? And the... Um, the elementary school teacher may realize well i'm not ready just yet to teach 12th grade physics in high school but you have so so you have these teachers at all these different levels and they're teaching what they know they're doing their best or at least that's the idea so you have to have these qualified teachers well in the body of Christ, it's very similar. Here's what I mean. Using the, uh, the terms that I just identified relative to a natural school system, or, you know, school system of the world, you have daycare Christians, you have preschool Christians, you have elementary school Christians, junior high Christians, senior high school Christians, You have Christians that are, um, what you might say, they have their associate degree in college. And then you have bachelor degree Christians. You have master degree Christians. And then you have doctorate degree Christians. Now, the ultimate level would be Ph.D. professor level. That's the Jesus level. All right? There aren't too many at, the, at that level. But, we need to face the reality that some Christians, they love the Lord, and they're not out there going crazy in sin, but they're really not going to go beyond the daycare level as far as their walk with God is concerned. You have some, they're not going to go beyond preschool. They're not going to go beyond elementary. And on and on it goes. They go so far, and then they basically stop. But there's something very unique about that. And it's, when a Christian reaches a certain level, they will tell you, well, no, I'm not like Jesus. Or I'm not like the Apostle Paul. But, There is this confidence on the inside that well I'm I'm doing pretty good. I'm not drinking, smoking, cussing, and you know cheating around and all this other. But I'm doing pretty good. Well, that can sound good. And not only that, but the Christians that are like that who are not you know, straddling the fence that aren't lukewarm, but they are firmly, firmly committed at that preschool level or at that elementary school level, they see themselves as being further along in God than what they really are. And what complicates it is um Just like in the natural, you have school systems of different qualities. You know, a few moments ago I mentioned that the Dayton school system is really bad right now. Now hopefully, they will get that turned around. But then you have other school systems that are uh, better. And, uh, you know, one of the best school systems in this region is Oakwood. However, it's extremely expensive to live in Oakwood. So you have other school systems, Kettering and Centerville. Uh, Based upon my experience growing up in this region, the Bellbrook school system has come a long way. And I mean a long way. And so has Beaver Creek. And so has Springboro. There's been great improvements in all of these school systems. Uh, And then, I don't know if I mentioned Centerville or not, but it's a good school system. But the thing is, you have churches like this as well. They are at different levels of training for the Christians. Now, what I mean is, you have some churches, now we're not talking about carnal churches, they're going to stand up and tell you, well, you don't have to repent. Or, it's okay if he marries him. All right, we're not talking about those kind of churches. We're talking about churches that will tell you, you, you need to be born again. But yet, some of these churches are daycare churches. And some of these churches are preschool. Some are elementary school. And on and on it goes. The, the idea, let me, how can I say this? Okay, I'll say it like this and then bring clarification. The perfect fit is when you have an elementary school Christian in an elementary school church. Because that Christian is going to feel comfortable in that church. You understand what I'm saying? And there's a good chance that that Christian may never leave that church or a church like it. They're going to stay there. Now, is that God's best? No. Not at all. Because as Christians, there is within us that born-again spirit has a hunger to learn. Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 2. There, there is that spirit in us that desires to learn these things of God and to grow and to mature spiritually. The Apostle Paul was um, really one of the preeminent Christians in all of history. I mean, you you read what he wrote. And there it is. Now, the only reason he was like that, it wasn't because that God said, "All right, let's see here. That guy Paul, at the time he was Saul. I'm tired of him picking on my kids. So, I'm going to do the blinding light thing and deal with this. It wasn't it. The only reason... Saul became Paul and did what he did was because within him was a drive. He wanted to know more. And when he had that experience with God on the Damascus Road, he realized a lot of what I've done has not benefited me spiritually the way I thought it was. In fact, in in Philippians, he talks about all these accomplishments... <laughs> As far as I'm concerned, they're equal to dung. That's pretty strong. Because he worked so hard. Educationally, he was the equivalent of like a Ph.D. professor within the Jewish system. And yet, he realized, what I've been doing is not going to get me to heaven. And so, he got born again. Now the moment he got born again, You've got to get hold of this. The moment he got born again, he was just like every single person in this room the moment we get born again. He was a spiritual babe. The difference was his education in the Jewish system. But other than that, when he first got born again, he was a spiritual babe, like every single person in this room. There's no difference. And whenever any of us get born again, the starting line is the same for all of us. Now what we do from that moment on determines our destiny and how God will use us and how we'll be able to receive from Him. You can be born again and spend your life in junior high school. You know what I'm talking about, in that kind of a church. Well, at least you made it that far. But here's something that's really interesting. When um, when Albert Einstein, in my opinion, probably the greatest physicist ever, that's my opinion, and I'm not saying that he was a Christian, but he was a physicist. When he came up with his theory of relativity, I think he did that like at age 27 or something. When he came up with that, there were people that, nah, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, here just a couple of years ago, another aspect of that theory was finally proven, over 100 years later. And they're still working on proving other parts of it. Now, (laughs) there are people who wanted to argue with Einstein about what he taught. Did you know that Einstein uh, left Europe, left Germany, and came to the United States? And he warned our government that Germany is working on an atomic bomb. And you guys better know it. And you had better prepare for this because they're further along than any of you. They are further along than any other nation in the world in this development. Well, that got some people to thinking. And you know the rest of the story. So when people would argue with Einstein, now I, let me create a scenario. Here's somebody in junior high school that's trying to tell Einstein how wrong he is. Now do you think that's going to make an impact on Einstein? You know, what do you mean light and energy and all that? Oh, you're crazy. You know that, What are you talking about? And Einstein would just stand there, kind of look, and shake his head, and walk away. It's pointless to talk to somebody like that. Pointless. You're not going to get anywhere. Because that junior high person has reached a level of education that they believe they understand physics more than Albert Einstein. (coughs) Well, if that person stays in school, by the time they get to high school, hopefully they'll realize, you know what, that Einstein guy was pretty smart. Well, excuse me, in the body of Christ, you have churches that are teaching to a certain point and then it stops. Now, if we're going to have outpouring and revival, it can't be like that here. It, It just can't. In this church, since I've been here, Uh, Well, I've been here since February 21st, 1999. I've seen people come and go. And I've seen people work on developing their spiritual growth. I've seen some that have put forth some effort. I've seen others that have put forth a lot of effort. I've seen some people, it's kind of like they want to climb on the wagon of somebody else's efforts and ride that wagon. Well, you know what? Uh, At least you're here. And then there are some people who have reached a point to where they're not receiving anymore. And they're not receiving it to the point that they leave. I no longer want to hear anything that you have to teach. Boom, I'm out of here. I mean, we've had people leave this church. Well, I won't say that. But it always surprises me, because, well, it does, but it doesn't. Because I know that when I stand here, I'm not delivering a bunch of stupidity. And I know that when I stand here, I know that a lot of times when I'm teaching things, there are some people hearing it they're like, oh, mm, I'm not so sure about that. And then, so what do I tell you to do? Search the Scriptures. I tell you to get in there. Dig it out. Because over the years, I have taught so much that absolutely contradicts so much of what's out there in these other churches. Not that we're the best, but I know that what I have taught, some of it has just devastated the daycare doctrine. Do you understand what I mean? Absolutely put to shame the preschool doctrine. And on and on it goes. Even into the associate degree, the bachelor's degree, and so forth. Because, If you don't get into the Word, there's no way you can truly follow God the way He desires. Now here in this church, we're believing for an outpouring and revival. Praise God for it. I don't know if you picked up on the pre-service worship this morning and tonight, but toward the end of it, the songs were really geared toward a declaration of revival. I, and when I put those together, I did that on purpose. We're believing for this. Now, that means that for us, in this church, we have to be an all-inclusive educational system. Now, here's what I mean. We have to, we have to be at a place... Okay, let me clarify. Outpouring and revival is not simply about the lost. It is about the lost. It is about lukewarm. It is about carnal. It is about the backslidden. It's about everybody out there that has maybe an iffy relationship with God, from totally lost to very iffy, or very immature in their walk with God. That's what this outpouring and revival is all about. It's not simply the lost. So therefore, we have to be an all-inclusive educational institution. We have to be able to take Christians, say those that are brand new, born again, you know, I just got saved last night. We have to take them and daycare them. You follow what I'm saying? And we have to lead them through daycare into Preschool. Then we have to lead them through preschool into elementary school. Now you understand I'm talking about um, adults. You know, somebody who's 50 years old to go from the daycare to the preschool to the elementary to the junior high, the high school. Then we start taking them into, you know, the college. All I'm talking spiritual now. We have to be an all-inclusive educational system. We have to be a Holy Spirit school system. And we have to be able to take people from that just born again all the way to, hopefully, we reach that PhD professor level doing the works of Jesus. Now it takes a lot of work. But what else it takes is teachers. Teachers. Just like in a natural school system, you have to have teachers from daycare all the way to you know the university PhD level. Well, here, right here, we have to be an all-inclusive, Holy Spirit school system church. We don't want to be telling people, well, you, you need to listen to so-and-so's teaching about that. Well, you need, to, you need to check out so-and-so's videos on this. You need to, in other words, we don't need to be pointing them to, to somebody because we don't know what we're talking about. We need to be able to deliver this. Now, that includes, okay, when I was in um, elementary school, I basically had the same teacher all day long. Then when I got to junior high school, I had a different teacher for every class. Well, I was new. And then that carried on through high school and then into college. You had teachers, different teachers. <clears throat> it's the same kind of a thing here. Now, here's what I'm getting at. When we, when we have a Holy Spirit school system, um, sometimes in secular universities, they will have a guest lecturer come in to speak on a specific topic. Maybe some of you have experienced that in the past. Well, likewise, we can have what you might call guest lecturers, such as Pastor Bronk Flint, Gary Carpenter, or you need to listen to the teachings of um, a guest lecturer who has gone on to be with Jesus. His name is Dave Roberson. Do you understand what I'm getting at? It's a Holy Spirit school system. But we here are the primary campus for the for the people that come in. We have to have teachers who can teach at all levels. And you know, you, you think, well, I don't know if I can do that. Okay, thank you for your honesty. I mean that. In Matthew 28, did I, I didn't tell you to turn there, did I? Okay, well, turn there. (laughs) Matthew 28. Jesus is about ready to ascend back to the Father after being crucified and raised from the dead. And he says in verse 18, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo... I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. See that? Okay, now I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, This is not meant to be a trip-you-up question. It's kind of a sarcastic question. But, if Jesus told them to do that, and they go out, and they lead people to accept Jesus, and then they put them in the Holy Spirit school system, teaching them to observe all things and so forth, then all those people that they taught... (coughs) Observe what were those people supposed to do? Carry on, right? How many times have you met somebody that says, you know, well, I'm going to college? What are you going to college for? Well, I'm going to be a teacher. Well, why do that? You already had one. I mean, don't you know the whole thing of teaching has passed away? No, somebody wants to become a teacher to teach what they were taught. I mean, that's not complicated. So essentially, that's what we're seeing here, teach them. Now look over in Second Timothy. Second Timothy, chapter 2, verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Now, where do you think Timothy got his teaching? What do you remember? Uh, granted, I know the Holy Spirit. But do you remember, he traveled with the Apostle Paul? And so, he's hearing this from the Apostle Paul, and the Apostle Paul would have told him, Timothy, you've got to pray in tongues. You got to get, Instead of just hearing what I say, it has to be who you are. Pray in tongues. And so, Timothy... He hears this from the Apostle Paul, commit what you've heard to faithful men who can teach others also. Well, then Timothy would turn right around and tell, tell these faithful men, teach what you've heard so that the people you teach can turn around and teach others also. The same process. And if you look in verse 24, it says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all, apt to teach Patient, See that? Apt to teach. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Just sit there and look at me. Don't shake your head, nod your head, or get up and run out. Do you see yourself as a servant of the Lord to some degree? Well, you're going to, yeah, Brother Martin, I do. Okay, do you realize you're supposed to be apt to teach? See that? You're supposed to be apt to teach. Every one of you. This is no exceptions here. Every single one of you. And if you look over in Titus chapter 1, kind of jump in the middle of this, but Titus chapter 1, verse 5, Paul writes to him and says, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou should set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Now stop right there. When he says ordain elders, there's no such thing as the ministry of an elder, a ministry calling of elder, That's not in the Bible. Although, you know, a lot of churches have made it a calling, but it's not. It's not a ministry calling. He's talking about appointing elders. Who are the elders? These are people to whom the word has been committed. They are the faithful men who can teach others also. And he says, if any be blameless, the husband of one wife, that means one wife at a time. It doesn't mean you can't be uh, like, a a widower and get remarried. No, this is one wife at a time. And you think, well, everybody knows that. A lot of people don't. The husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless, as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast, The faithful word, as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Who are the gainsayers? Well, it sounds like people who are doing this only for money. That's not entirely what that's talking about. Gainsayers are the people who want to argue what is and is not true. And he's saying, you have to be faithful with the word. And you have to take what you've been taught and be firmly established in this sound doctrine so that when somebody says, Einstein, you don't know what you're talking about. You can go to the Word and show, yeah, this is what God has said. Now, even when you do that, you're still going to have some people that are gainsayers. You know, one of the things that just so... I teach something line upon line, and I mean line upon line. And then... You know things like, "Well, that's your opinion," you know, or "That's how you see it." No, that is how God said it. I'm just repeating it to you. Some people are going to live their life as gainsayers, and gainsayers really—they fit in somewhere in the daycare preschool. These are the people that still believe in Santa Claus, and the Easter Bunny. I'm, you know, figure of speech. You know what I'm talking about? They believe stuff that anyway. Now, there are people let, let, me, let me just put it like this. Ah, Brother Martin, you know really, I appreciate what you do for the Lord, blah blah blah. but you know you and Gary Carpenter and Bronck Flint and you know Alan Taylor and these others, I mean, all you guys do is preach each other's sermons. Okay, and what? Well, you need to come up with something original. Oh. You mean force a revelation? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Didn't we just read something about taking what you've been taught and teaching it to others? So what's your problem here with this? If it's truth, should it not be presented to the body? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with preaching somebody else's... You know, there are some preachers, they get fired up if you preach their sermon. When I say fired up, I mean mad, angry. That's my sermon. Is it truth? Yes. Well, then it must have been God's to begin with. And the thing is, all we do is preach, if you're sticking with the Word, we're just preaching what Jesus preached. What Paul preached. What Timothy preached. You know, what Peter preached, what John preached. We're just preaching what's already been preached. You start preaching stuff that hasn't already been preached, okay, we know where you're going. God warned, don't you add to or take away from my word. So what's the big deal about preaching a truth that's been delivered, and that's happened to me before I hear something and it makes a powerful impact on me, and then I will deliver it, my style of delivery, my personality, and then the Holy Spirit always adds to it, or whatever. There's nothing wrong with this. In this church, we need every one of you. You need everybody in here. You need to be at that place of teaching. You need to be ready to do this. And, Okay, here's what I did. And you know, I've had people in the past ask me, you know, well, how do I get started? What do I do? etc. cetera, et cetera. I'm just going to tell you what I did, what I still do to this day. I will listen to a sermon, and I will follow along in scripture, and I will be praying softly in tongues the whole time and taking notes. I've done that for. For years and years and years. That's what I do. Now I know it works. And I'm telling you, you should do this. Don't just sit back and rely on your own intellect. I have, they're they're at our website. And the reason I'm talking about me is because, well, you know, I'm the pastor here. I think it's like over. 2,000, between 2,000 and 2,500 sermons available on our website, and guess what? There's a special right now. No charge. I mean, we've been running that special ever since we had the website. (laughs) You don't have to pay for it. (coughs) Download and listen. Do this. I ain't got time to listen to 2,000 sermons. Well, you know, you got a point there. What time do you have? See, I can remember doing this, and I would give up this and give up that. I was doing this before I was full-time in ministry, okay? So I don't want you to think that I did this only after I went full-time in ministry. No, I did this before I was full-time in ministry. And that's part of what got me ready to be able to do what God's called me to do. Now, I don't know what else to tell you when it comes to getting ready to be the teacher that we need here in the Holy Spirit school system because every one of you are needed, all of you you know what if what if next Sunday five new people come in and either they get born again on Sunday or you know the backsliders that recommit whatever but five new people next Sunday and what about the Sunday after that five more new people and what about the Sunday after that five more new people? And what about the Sunday after that, five more new people? Do you realize 52 weeks in a year, 52 times five comes out to what? More than what this building can hold. Now think about that. What if it's only three people? Still, three times 52? You know, what is that, 156? 156 plus all the people that normally attend? Guys, we're shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow, wishing we had a new building. The point I'm getting at is this. A lot of you guys have been here long enough. You should be ready to step in. And it's kind of like over there in Hebrews where it said, for the time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to come along and teach you again the basic fundamentals. The basic fun- I, nobody has to really come along and teach you because the basic fundamentals are already available at no charge. There, there's so much that you can get and learn. And I'm encouraging you, do this. Because I don't know how you see yourself, but when I look at you, I see teacher potential. Not necessarily ministry calling teacher, but teacher potential. Like what he's talking about here in Scripture. Every single one of you. No exceptions. Absolutely none. Well, but I get nervous when I stand in front of people. That's not a problem. Because God can purge the nervousness. The righteous are bold as a lion. So yeah, it can be fixed. You know, I'm going to tell you, one of the most frustrating moments of my life was when I finally realized that as a Christian, I have no excuses. like <laughs> God, that's not fair. <laughs> I want to be able to you know, come up with something that's already covered. Everything. And it's like God summed it up when he said, you know, that we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. And, you know, God presents that verse to you and says, and <laughs> what else do you want to say? I don't know, God. Every one of you, every single one of you, that potential is alive on the inside of you. And we need to have a Holy Spirit school system ready to go. And in a way, we do. Because we already have some people that are able to step in and do this. We need all of you. Every single one of you. Now, start where you are. Just start where you are. And apply this. Listen. Follow along in Scripture. Pray in the Spirit. Take notes. Just do it. And I'm telling you what's going to happen. If you do this, you're going to be amazed at what the Holy Spirit starts showing you. He's going to start talking to you, and you'll get in into- time there will be times when you'll have to pause the playback to type out everything he's saying to you. I'm telling you it will happen. Be encouraged, guys. I don't see you as just a bunch of pew sitters. I see you as people who have your, your Holy Spirit school system stamp of approval. God wants to use you. Praise the Lord. Well, please stand. And I'm going to um, do something I had not announced previously and ask Jamie to come up and just close us out with a, a song.